Good morning. You know, this morning, we actually have a, a unique situation when we think about celebration. Because usually, during this time, our celebration is focused on the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, his birth. And we focus completely on that, don't we, really? And then there are times where, at least here, once a month, where we actually celebrate the table. And here we are actually celebrating the cross. We are celebrating the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this morning, we get both. (laughs) This morning, we get to celebrate, in a sense, the whole picture of what God has done as he brought God the Son to earth to grow up, to minister, eventually to go to the cross for us, for our salvation. God so loved the world. God so loved you and me. God so loved all of us in the Arabian Peninsula that he sent Jesus. And how powerful that is. Several years ago, I was in Sana'a, capital of Yemen, and we were in a meeting. And there was this young man who was in the meeting. And he had heard the story of the virgin birth. And he had heard the story of the crucifixion and what that meant. And he's putting these two together, and he's just searching, and he's seeking, and he just says, how do I know that this is true? How will God show me that he loves me that much? Because that was really the issue for him that the God who created the universe would love me that much. And then he made a request. He said, would God show me? And so for the others that were in that room, they said, you know what? God is God and he is great and God can do anything he wants to do. Let's ask. Let's ask. And so we went to prayer, and we were just saying, God, thank you for this young man. Thank you for these truths that he's hearing. He's wanting to know in, in a factual way from just what he's heard, but also experience in his life. Do you really love him? Do you really care for him? And we just prayed for a while. And afterwards, uh, we just stopped. And this young man, he was just quiet. And then he said, let me tell you what I saw. He said, I was in heaven. And I saw the throne room of God. And it was filled with multiple colors. And in front of the throne, there was as if there were a sea of glass. 
and he was touched by God. And so we picked up the scriptures and we turned to Revelation chapter 4 where we have the privilege where the Apostle John also has had a vision in heaven and where he describes exactly what this young man saw. And so we want to turn to Revelation 4, and I want you just to get in a sense out of this world. And I want to get into that world, God's world, his throne room, his heaven, and get a sense of his awe and his power and his glory. Chapter 4, Revelation, after this I looked and behold a door standing open in heaven and the first voice which I had heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit. Behold, a throne stood in heaven and one seated on the throne. And he who sat there had the appearance of jasper and carnelian. And around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones. And seated on the thrones were 24 elders clothed in white garments with golden crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and rumbling and peals of thunder. And before the throne were burning seven torches of fire, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was, as it were, a sea of glass like crystal. And around the throne, on each side of the throne, are four living creatures, full of eyes in front and behind. The first living creature like a lion, the second living creature like an ox the third living creature with the face of a man, and the fourth living creature like an eagle in flight. And the four living creatures, each of them with six wings and full of eyes all around and within, and day and night, they never ceased to cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who is seated on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne saying, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Holy, holy, holy is our God. Heaven is not a quiet place. The throne room of God is full of worship. And the throne room of God is where Almighty God is 
ruling, and he is directing the course of history and the universe. And we can imagine that in that setting is where God has made declarations, declarations to partner with Abraham and to partner with Moses and to partner with David. And it was God who said, give to Isaiah the prophecy that we read this morning out of chapter 53 that talks about the salvation through the Messiah that is going to come. And it was our God in that setting who one day said, Gabriel, now is the time for these prophecies to be fulfilled. Go to the earth. Go to Zechariah as he's in the temple and tell him that his wife who is barren is going to have a miraculous birth and his name will be John. And then several months later, Almighty God, Gabriel, go again down to the earth. And this time, go to the Virgin Mary and let her know how favored she is in my eyes and how a miracle will take place in her and she will give birth to the one who will be King of kings and Lord of lords. And it was God Almighty who gave revelation to these wise men from the east months ahead of time so that they would begin their journey and all of these prophecies and all of these purposes of God would come together in Bethlehem at the perfect and the right time. And then it was God who turned maybe to Gabriel again, maybe to another angel, and he said, it's time to announce to the world that God the Son has come. And in that announcement, as he proclaims it to heaven and to the angels and all that are there, he said this is going to be so special that there is the gap between earth and between heaven. I'm going to take that away, and my glory is going to be revealed as you go down. And to the angel, as you go and you tell them my message. And when you have shared that that message, these shepherds are going to have their eyes open and their ears open, and they will experience my heavenly host. And they will know that heaven and earth at this moment have united and come together for my glory. we picture that in heaven, then we turn to earth, and we turn to Luke, who is giving the account of what happened that day, this very familiar account of how God came not to the temple, not to the rulers of the day. How God instructed his servant angel to go to simple shepherds. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock 
by night. It was peaceful. It was quiet. Maybe it was cold and chilly. They had no idea what was about to happen to them. That would literally change their lives and all of history. One commentator has said that in those days, in the morning and in the evening, there was always a lamb, a one-year-old lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of the people and how the temple actually had flocks. And those flocks, they know, were based around Bethlehem. And he says it's very likely that these shepherds that the angel went to were actually the shepherds that were over the flock raising the lambs to be slain. But we go on in the Revelation, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Behold, I'm bringing you good news. There is our word, gospel, good news. It's not a time to be afraid. Good news of great joy. And this joy is not just for you. This joy is for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Brothers and sisters, what's the definition of a Savior? It is someone who is delivering people. It is someone who is saving people. Think of a lifeguard who sees someone drowning and they save them. God is saying, I'm sending you someone who is going to save you from drowning. Drowning in your world, in your heart of sin. And his name is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. He is pleased. What an incredible truth from in, coming from God. You and I look at the world today, and we're not pleased. <laughs> but God is looking in the hearts. He's looking into the people he has created. He's looking in the hearts of people like you and I, people that he deeply, deeply loves. That's who we are. And in that, he wants his peace to come, a perfect peace, a peace that passes all understanding, a perfect peace that means there will be a restored relationship with the living God, the way we were designed to be from the Garden of Eden. And so the angels have come, the shepherds 
falling down in fear, and they get this incredible message that this little baby is going to be born in Bethlehem, and it is going to be the fulfillment. It is going to be the Messiah. And I think for us, these questions that we ask that are so keen, that links the little baby that is born in Bethlehem to the cross here. What makes this baby a savior? Saving people from what? And how does he save? How does he do it? I want to go back to heaven. I want to go back and take up the flow of the story that the Apostle John has been revealing to us. Remember, they just had the four living creatures and the 24 elders. They had just fallen down, and they were giving glory to God and saying, Worthy are you. And then something very special has happened. Remember, the writing of John is about 60 years after the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we see not a little baby in a manger, but we see the Lion of Judah in heaven. Chapter 5 and verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who was seated on the throne a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep. To weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. Then one of the elders said to me, Don't cry anymore. Don't weep anymore. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And then we have the picture in heaven, this beautiful picture. And between the throne and the four living creatures and among the elders, I saw a lamb standing as though it had been slain with seven horns and with seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. And he went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who was seated on the throne. And when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb each holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, a new song for those days, for that time, forevermore. 
And what was that song? Song of praise to the Lord Jesus. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. And by your blood, you ransom people for God. What makes the Lord Jesus Christ worthy? What makes this little baby turn into a savior? His going of his own free will to the cross to be slaughtered, to be slain like a lamb for you and I. By your blood, you ransomed people. That word ransom, it means to cause the release or freedom of someone by a means which proves costly to the one causing the release. It cost God. It cost Jesus. And yet we look at heaven and all of heaven has no answer for who can approach Almighty God with the scroll. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ who has conquered over everything. And it is the Lord Jesus Christ who went to the cross who has now brought into a relationship again mankind through the blood. Remember, we talked about the blood. Unless there's the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And he goes on, and they say, as they are singing this song of praise of how worthy Christ is because he's the lamb that was slain, because he has ransomed people from every tribe and language and people and nation. Every tribe from South Africa is going to be represented. Every tribe from India is going to be represented. Every tribe from Africa, from the Philippines, is going to be represented in the kingdom of Almighty God because God is going to do it. And He is going to bring those people in. And it says in their song, You have made them a kingdom and priests. To our God, and they shall reign on the earth. And then John continues to what he sees. And I looked and I heard around the throne and the living creatures and the elders the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom, and might, and honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might, forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshiped. You know, we live on this earth and we go to our jobs and we drive around Abu Dhabi and we take care of our kids. And and yet there is this 
world of heaven that we only see here in black and white. And yet in our hearts, we know it's true. And our faith is that one day we will be not reading about the Lord Jesus in a book, but we will be there. We will be worshiping together there. We will see him in his glory there. We will be joint heirs with him before the Father. We will rule with him all that there is wrapped up into this eternal life that God has freely given to us through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What makes him a savior? God the Son came down. The Word became flesh to die for our sins. That's how he did it. It cost. And so our celebration today, because when I see God talking about the baby Jesus coming, he's excited. He knows that God the Son is going to be tortured and will die. And yet there is incredible joy because the joy is in our restored relationship with Almighty God. And he takes great pleasure in those he's created. That's why he calls us, celebrate this and celebrate this, because it brings us back together. And we will have eternity together. Let's just go to prayer. And uh, those that are going to be helping uh, Pastor Gareth with communion, if you could just come forward. Father, we thank you for the incredible picture that you opened heaven for us. You allowed us to have this glimpse of heaven. You allowed us, Father, to see things that we would never know. Father, we are challenged by the cry of holy, holy, holy. Father God, we are thankful and we give you praise for your great salvation. And Father God, as we have sung, hark the herald angels saying, glory to the newborn king. We want to join with those we can't see right now in heaven and with our brothers and sisters literally around the world. And we just want to lift up hands in praise and honor and glory and blessing to you for who you are and what you have done in this world and in our lives. And we give you honor. And we love you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.